Welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly, who has been uh, betrayed once again by the travel system, the, the very, very bad American travel system. Ryan has been stranded in the uh, in the forest. I believe you're actually stranded in the deep in the jungle of uh, of Columbus, Ohio, and you will you'll never yeah. escape. You're broadcasting to us live from the bogs of New Albany. You can't get out. Yeah. I'm I'm behind enemy lines. I'm emerging from the bog like Martin Sheen and Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Um just looking around at my haters and and uh and detractors. Um yeah, no man. I uh I am stranded in Columbus. I uh uh Avis Rental Car Company is going to the official enemies list. Yeah. Uh right in between Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> tough company to keep <laughs> as a car company. That's <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. good. That's not good. You don't want to be between those. Uh, it's okay. Another another day in beautiful Columbus, Ohio, the capital of, of really global culture and football, of course. Yeah. Um yeah. I've always Patrick, we are uh we are unfortunately mourning today's episode. We're mostly gonna focus on the loss of the Irish national rugby team, uh-huh. uh, which has fallen to the the criminals of New Zealand. <laughs> um any statement on this from you i know i know we were both really really hyped for those games yeah uh, I really, any, any I, takes? you know i love the rugby i just can't get enough of rugby um i uh i'm gonna be honest with you that's about all i know about rugby is the name of it and that, that, that there are teams that involve themselves in that sort of thing i wouldn't do that personally I would not be caught associating with that sport, with a sport that allows the country of the criminal country of New Zealand to succeed. I would not be involved in a sport that does that. I, I think I would maybe, yeah. I would want to get out of there. I would not want to be associated with those guys. To call it a country is even maybe generous. It's sort of a, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a rebel island. They're not. I should not. We should not recognize their sovereignty. It's a. It's a prison. No. It's a. It's a prison planet. It's. Uh, they got prison planet. If you. There. If it's you real. produced Taika Waititi, I don't respect you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I did make some friends when I was living in, in Argentina who were really into rugby and played, mm-hmm. uh, and also some like European friends who lived there who played in their respective countries. Yeah. And as far as I can tell. Rugby guys are like hockey guys, but less humorous. Uh-huh. Like they have kind of like the psychosis of, of football players who are like, you know, posting the wide receiver style tweets. We all know about the, yeah, the enemy course. speaks softly and carries a knife. Yeah. Except they also have like the lost teeth and like meathead demeanor of hockey players. It's a very funny culture. I don't really get it yeah. fully, but I'm looking for, I, I, I got to get more into it. I think I'm going to start, I'm going to become like a, a casual rugby guy in the future, I think. I, I think the way that I've always kind of thought of them is if, like, you took a team of lacrosse players and made them, like, fundamentalists, right? You just sort of uh, <laughs> converted them. And so they still have the same sort of lack of general... That, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's the sport, at least in America, it's the sport for white guys who are not good enough to play regular football, right, or, or mm-hmm. anything like that. They have to play rugby. Um, and in, like, Ireland, it's for guys who are too mean to play soccer. Yeah. Uh, and don't have the hand-eye for, like, hurling or, like, you know, one of the two smart people know about. Or I the guess. military. Yeah, they can't even, they can't, yeah. even do, <laughs> can't even do that right. We got to relegate. I would say every rugby. Irish guy I've met asked me if I played rugby. Yeah. Like, all of them. It's they, almost unanimous. They're trying to get you involved. <laughs> they're yeah, your I think ass. it's an IRA recruiting territory, yeah, and I'm like, buddy, we don't we don't need the pretext. Yeah, they're seeing your ass. <laughs> like, we gotta get we gotta get this guy in. We gotta get him uh, get him in the door first meeting, 
is a rugby meeting, but secretly it's something much more than that. Um, yeah, but I, I've always kind of thought of them as they're like hardline lacrosse players. Um, pretty funny, and uh, <laughs> and does seem to be does seem to be sort of the case. That's a that's a fun that's a fun kind of guy. Is a guy in college who is looking for a sport to play and just decides, you know what. I'm gonna start playing rugby. I think you've accepted. Yeah, something about I want to lose the most teeth possible. Yeah, yeah, I respect it. I respect it. That's a, that's a funny. Yeah. that's a funny way to be as an adult man, uh, like not professional. Yeah, we're gonna like, we're gonna launch our new our new YouTube project. Meet at mid pitch mm. uh, next next season. Yeah, I think uh, that would go really well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys who have no idea what they're talking about i mean that is the most like most of the po- very popular college football shows are just a group of guys who don't know what they're talking about and people seem to eat that up mm-hmm. so maybe we could do that maybe we could get in and just figure out like who the the five or six most popular teams are and just talk about them and be like uh you know i don't even i don't even know who the teams would be but just you know uh, oh, australia's different their body types are different they they got the they got pro speed. They got Sunday players. Yeah. They're making Sunday throws. Things like that. Well, what's nice here is that we don't actually have to learn because there's a thing called the Six Nations. It's basically okay. the six good ones. Okay. And uh, we can just that, that's pretty much all you gotta know. Cool. Well, sounds like we're already halfway there. Um, <laughs> for for right now though, we are going to stick with what we know, and what we know is college football. Uh, we are here to recap Week Seven. I think maybe my maybe I'm just having a short memory here. Maybe I'm I'm you know underestimating some of the early weeks of the season. I think this was the best weekend of the year thus far. I, I think that this even without the noon slate, the noon slate was not good. Um, but the it was so loaded with good stuff, with fun games, with interesting results, with meaningful games in the afternoon and evening slates, and then even late night delivered. I think a, a couple pretty good games and some really really interesting yeah. endings that we're going to talk about. And then I thought the week I was mean, good. I mean, three of the four weeknight slates were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah the week was good. Um, a lot of really close games, even games that weren't really super impactful for you know conference or, or national title races were good and were, were entertaining and ended really close. Um, I think this was, at least for, for, my, for my money, I think this was the best week of the season that we have seen thus far. It felt like a lot of the things that we have been seeing as sort of teasers uh, came, home to, uh, came home to roost here. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And this is, um, I talked about in the preview show, I was, uh, I was a groomsman at a wedding over the weekend. So yeah. um, I got to watch the noon slate and watch a good chunk via like, you know, guys in the dance floor passing around their phones of the evening slate, yeah. <laughs> the afternoon slate. I was pretty scattered on. I had to see the, um, the final five minutes or so of Washington, Oregon in between uh, speeches and first dances, yeah, sure, <laughs> uh, which was great. But I, I did, I did miss a fair bit of the afternoon slate um, caught up as best I could via extended highlight stuff and, and just reading through some coverage. Um, so I did miss part of the afternoon, which I think you'll also kind of, you know, take the lead on here, but, but everything I could tell, I mean, just what I, what I caught, what we were following along, just an awesome weekend of games, man. And this season we've been so lucky so far. We're entering the, you know, we're entering the second half of the season. Now I'm hoping it just keeps up on this kind of trend line because it's been, it's just building better and better each week. Um, it, it's been so fun. I mean, this is one of the best, I, I want to knock on wood here because it's still so early on, but this has been one of the best seasons in recent memory I, I've experienced. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, we're going to talk about all of it. But before we do that, uh, we should probably tell you real quick about meetatmidfield.com, which is our website where you can read us talking about a lot of the stuff that happened this weekend, as well as the stuff that will be happening in future weekends. Uh, that would be things like scheme standouts, uh, your weekly column that comes out on Fridays, 
Um, I do the watch list every week on Thursday as sort of a, not necessarily just a companion piece to the podcast. It's a full thing. It's not just recapping the podcast. Um, but uh, the watch list to set up your weekend. Uh, we have coverage. Yeah, you transcribe <laughs> in full all hours long of this podcast. I would kill yeah. myself before doing that. No, thank you. I don't even transcribe regular like like press conferences. I have a I have a, a computer program that does that for me because I can't. I hate it. It's one of the worst things that you could possibly do as a person is have to transcribe. Dude, something. Uh, <laughs> our buddy, uh, you know Tony Gerben, of course, the Ohio State beat. Yeah, a buddy of ours. He had like f- five guys on their board who'd always ask him to transcribe the podcast. They could read it because they don't have time to listen during work. Oh, and he like was like dude, you guys aren't going to read this. It's going to suck anyway. And he did it for like two weeks. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, they said so they had like, you know, one tenth of a readership on a regular article on it. Yeah. And it took him, you know, five times. Oh <laughs> like the lane. It's it's insane. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, we have a real website. Keep going. Yeah. We, anyway, <laughs> midfield.com. Yes. No transcriptions there. I'm not doing it. It's, it is, it's, nobody wants it except for, I don't know, maybe a couple guys, but Sorry, we're not going to do that. That's not going to be a deal that I'm making anytime soon. Um, but there's lots of good stuff over there that is not transcriptions. There's all the premium stories that I mentioned. Also coverage from Kevin Harris and Taylor Fulton. Um, we have the premium podcast once weekly of this show, as well as the show that you do with Kevin on Ohio State, High Street Freaks. Um, and we have the message board, which continues to be electric. Um, there is, there's so much cool stuff going on over there, both on game day and just during the week. You have guys doing, um, increasingly elaborate data visuals for like the top 25 that the board does that, that our friend Zach puts together. Um, you have, uh, just all sorts of really interesting, really good discussions. Um, and then on game day, it's, it's, you know, pandemonium and you can, you can get that second screen where, you're jumping along to whatever game is interesting. You're keeping track of all of the stuff that's happening. You're talking through the big game that everybody is watching. Um, it's just really fun. It's a really, really cool place. Uh, we're, we're thrilled with how the message board has been doing and, and how it continues to do. Um, and we would love, you ha- love to have you over there. Just go to meetatmidfield.com and, uh, and subscribe. We'd be happy to have you. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have you guys. Uh, it's the best time of the year, honestly. I mean, it's just like we said. It keeps getting better. It keeps building. Um, I mean, everyone, it was like this week, especially just having good Tuesday games. I mean, it was bumping, honestly, from, from two, from, you know, seven o'clock Tuesday night until 2 a.m. Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, and, and even today at the follow-up stuff, it's been great. So, uh, and besides that too, Patrick, we're also brought to you by a wonderful sponsor of ours, Homefield Apparel, mm-hmm. um, which is the internet's top purveyor of vintage collegiate apparel, um, that has, I would say, a very big drop coming very soon mm. um, for some people listening to this podcast and want to know about, which we cannot give you exact details yet, but um, something you will be very, very hyped about. Uh, not you personally, I guess. You would probably hate this. Yeah, um, but it away <laughs> people would be very hyped about <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe. There's a lot of teams you hate. Um, yeah. No, they, they had some great stuff this week. They had a really cool Miami of Ohio hockey shirt that I saw. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they've been killing them, man. They always are, but uh, really great stuff coming. They're doing some live events this season, so keep an eye on their Twitter account for stuff like that. But if you do not own any home field yet somehow and you want to get 15% off your first order, uh, use the code Meet at Midfield. Uh, if you don't use the code, just tell them we sent you and say that, um, you know, uh, you support Meet at Midfield's global campaign for, for football dominance. Yeah, and I, I do believe that every all of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds made by Home Field Apparel do go directly to the Fire Tom Allen Fund. Um, so it's a, it goes to a good cause as well. 
of uh, getting Tom Allen just out of out of uh, out of the program, out of Bloomington, really out of the country. I think they're trying to actually uh, extradite him to a different nation that is not this one. So we do support their efforts in uh, in in radical anti-Tom Allen thought, uh, and we will uh, we will continue to support them as they continue to support us um, through their uh, through the difficult times that the Indiana Hoosiers are having right now. Um, you want to talk about mm-hmm. some of these games here? Yeah, um, we are gonna uh, we were gonna talk about the Tuesday night games Wednesday, and then we forgot. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna go all the way back to the Tuesday night game, starting with Liberty's win over Jacksonville State, thirty-one um, thirteen win for Liberty. They stay undefeated. A pretty imperfect win. Like I don't think Liberty looked as smooth as they could be, but they still just dominate this game. And Jacksonville State's yeah. a quality football club. Yeah. Um, really impressive, I thought from Liberty. Yeah, they really. It was it was the kind of game that you you win as a good team, right? That you find a way to win, even on a night where you are not perfect, where a lot of things did go kind of wrong for them. They, it was not like a ton of huge mistakes. It was more just like some special teams weirdness. They, they started on, on average, almost 10 yards behind the average starting field position for Jacksonville state. It was the Jacksonville state started at its own 29 on average. Liberty was at its own 19 and just kind of things like that. It was, it was a lot of things like that where, it was not exactly ideal. It was not exactly the way that you would want. Um, and they still found a way. They had a you know really, really strong, efficient offense when they needed it. They managed to – they put the game away late pretty convincingly. Um, and they had – we were talking about this on – on game day and and you know quentin cooley the halfback had a really good game as well yeah but, we were on college game day yeah we were both on game day we got on there um boy they would not want to let that uh that particular fox <laughs> into the hen house that would be a bad idea letting us letting us on there we would say some things to pat mcafee that would not be allowed to be aired i don't think <laughs> i um, think as annoying as he is i don't even think he's my top enemy in that show yeah I got several in that's on sad. That show. Yeah. Would, uh, yeah. Me and me. Yeah. And, you hate Lee Corso. No, personally. me and Lee would form an alliance. <laughs> Lee, I think, I think we would be, uh, we would be fellow travelers, Lee and I, and we would, we would, uh, I think we'd get along really well. Um, old people, they would do old a segment like with me. you and Chris Falica called, uh, called the bear and the otter. I don't think he's even on um, there anymore. I think he's on no, Fox. No, he's now. not, but that, they got that's a little shout out to our LGBTQ community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll just leave it there <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, but uh, anyway yeah sorry keep going <laughs> no anyway quentin cooley had a good game at halfback but even on a on a fairly quiet night for for caden salter relative to his usual performance man you see the the throws that this guy can make um when he is at his best he is he is a kind of player who we have not really seen in Jamie Chadwell's offense before. And I say that loving Grayson McCall and, 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 you know, supporting Grayson McCall and and thinking he's a very good quarterback, but Caden Salter's arm is, is um, a a level above what Grayson McCall is able to do. Um, And he had some, he had some pretty big throws to really put this one away in the, in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the level of of just kind of being able to go out there and deliver despite some bad coaching and bad game management was impressive. And it's just nice to see stars shine through in big games like this, right? And yeah. I mean, big games in a relative sense, like this is still a midseason conference game, but uh, but it's you know, yeah, a, a lot of excitement coming. Yeah, and there are probably three teams in the conference USA who could seriously contend for it, and this was two of them, right? Liberty, Western Kentucky, and and. Jacksonville State has been right up there, and so it is a big win relative to the conference. That's what they're playing for, um, and uh, they get the win. They get the job done. Uh, should be a, uh, a really interesting couple of weeks out there because I'm not sure Liberty is going to lose this season. I think that Western Kentucky game is going to be really good, but outside of that, 
There's not a ton left on the schedule that scares you for these guys. Um, next up, Houston 41, West Virginia 39. Were there there were dueling Hail Marys in this game, if 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 memory serves. Uh West Virginia gets one with not very much left not very much time left in the game, comes back to uh seemingly win it, and then Houston answers right back with a Hail Mary of its own to win the Dana Bowl. Um this yeah. was this was stupid as shit, but it was really fun. Yeah, man. Uh like I was watching this game with our buddy Luke, who you know, uh, at the Bobcat Bar in uh, in Grandview in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, and he pointed out, like, after that huge West Virginia touchdown, because I was texting my buddy, who's a big years fan, um, that he, like, oh, West Virginia got unsportsmanlike conduct. That could matter. And I was like, ah, come on, no way. There's 12 seconds left. So, like, they're not, they can't fuck it up that bad. Uh, and then, sure enough, that field positioning for Houston, yeah, gave them a chance. Uh, they, they took that shot from the West Virginia 49 yard line. Um, I will say, like, I mean, it's an amazing win for you. Not even an amazing win. It's a really cool ending to watch for college football fans. Yeah. Um, just two absolute morons on the sidelines. <laughs> and also, like, the, I think, like, one of the most universal things, every football fan, including the most casual guy you know who watches, like, one NFL Sunday game a week for his local team, tells you on a Hail Mary, you bat the ball down. You don't yeah. do anything else except, like, treat it like a volleyball yeah. and try to spike it. Uh, and that fucking defensive back question number 13 trying to go out there and make a pick. Why, dude? It's the time is expiring. Like you yeah. don't need to get the ball. Just put it on the ground. Yeah. Uh I mean, just bad management from almost everyone involved. Uh, two guys desperately trying to get fired. Um Neil has probably avoided already this season, but but Dana, uh man, he he got away with one here, but he is just such a dipshit. Yeah, they really just a battle of dumb guys here, a meeting of the minds between two very dumb guys. Uh, and we love that. We love a we love a, a dumb guy battle. Um, Tulane thirty one, Memphis twenty one. Memphis led this game fairly late on. It, it looked like Memphis was not necessarily going to run away with it, but but had a lead and had a chance to uh, to kind of pull away or at least kind of hold on to it at, at home and just couldn't do it. Tulane uh, settles down, figures out some things offensively. Michael Pratt played a lot better in the second half than he did in the first half. They got a little bit going on the ground with Makai Hughes. Um, and they find a way to win the game and, and really take control of the conference that we already figured they had control of with the with the American, yeah. but now they really do because um, SMU is not good. I don't know if we have that game on our list. We do not. SMU did not look good against East Carolina. Just not an interesting. Not an. It's interesting kind of impressive right to look that bad in a twenty-one point road win in the conference. Yeah, they really they really kind of poured it on down the stretch <laughs> with uh, after after playing like shit for about fifty-five minutes. Um, you know, maybe UTSA where uh, can can make a run at this. Just beat UAB pretty convincingly and seems to be rounding into form a little bit. But Tulane is the is the class of the conference here right now, and Memphis just does not have the same juice that it used to have. We've been saying it. Um, they just don't have it. They, they don't have the top-end offense needed to compete in this kind of game. Seth Hennigan was, at his best, good. At his worst, pretty bad. Um, took too many sacks, had some interceptions. Uh, the rushing attack was basically non-existent for these guys. They're just they're yeah. they're not they're just not what they were, and and their their ceiling is a lot lower than it used to be. They just can't they can't explode on you in the same way. They can't generate those plays. They basically don't generate those plays in in this game, and they're not going to win doing that. They're they're not going to it, they're not going to go very far doing that. 
it is a real bummer just a college football fan. Like all the awesome run game design we used to see out of Memphis and just the explosive rushes they created were so cool to watch. And that's just totally gone with Silverfield at this point. Yeah. Um, but also for Tulane as well, they started the season with a really strong uh, run defense. They did great against South Alabama and Ole Miss. Uh, and then really kind of shit their pants against UAB, which is why that game was as close as it was. Uh, and seeing them kind of get back to form on, on the Russian defense here was good for them uh, and something that bodes well, I think, for the rest of this season because there's not a lot of challenges left on the schedule for, for Tulane. Like, I, I, there are, I don't know if they'll be favored by less than 10 points the rest of the way. Yep, yep, they are, uh, they're good. I think they have gotten through the hardest part of the schedule. Uh, good for them. Willie it does. Fritz. It does make you wonder too what this would have been if Pratt was healthy for Ole Miss. Yeah, it does. It does, and I'm gonna try not to think about that too much because it makes me sad. Um, Willie Fritz, good ball coach. He's he's just good ball coach. He gets the job done. Um, last one here on the weeknight, and it is a banger. Stanford 46, Colorado 43 in double overtime. <laughs> Dude, holy shit! This Holy game was shit. insane. This was nuts. Colorado was up 29 nothing at halftime. Stanford rattles off 36 points in the second half to send it to overtime and then wins it in uh in in double overtime. There's so much happening here. There's so much to talk about. Where do you want to go first with this? I mean, the the, the star of the game everyone's going to talk about, who I think everyone, including some of the announcers, were saying his name wrong. It's not apparently Eric Aomenor, it's Elick Aomenor, which I think I heard wrong like seven times in the broadcast. Um, This is another game I was watching a bar with my buddies. Like I said, I was in town for the weekend with my old college friends. We were kind of getting to hang out the whole weekend. Uh, We were having like a a very serious life life talks about, you know, uh, family and career and stuff like that. And we kind of kept each glance each other like, oh man, do you see that play by Stanford? Yeah. Are they coming back? And, and like, then we kind of just fully abandoned that conversation to focus on the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what an incredible comeback. Uh, Aon Orr played the game of his life, 13 catches, 294 yards, three touchdowns, including that incredible just moss he had. I mean, yeah. there's no other word to call it on Travis Hunter, right? Where he pins the ball to his head and carries him into the end zone. Yeah. Um, in overtime. Most disrespectful that, was, that was in the in first over- overtime. Hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, one of the most disrespectful touchdowns I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it, it was incredible. And then like he gave his post game interview and I'm kind of pretty heavily paraphrasing and editorializing here, but the subtext of what he was saying was basically like, look, I, I want to go to play in the NFL and I know people watch Colorado's games and I want a chance to go play in the league. And I thought I could beat these guys and outplay them. And I did. And it was like, you know, when someone looks at you as a meal ticket, yeah. like, oh man, I think you're soft. I can beat you. People watch you because, you know, they know your name. Uh, I mean, he absolutely balled out. And it wasn't just Travis Hunter covering him, right? He was, you know, other defensive backs were in coverage, but he ate off everybody, including Travis. And, and yeah. maybe Travis came back a week too soon from injury or something like that. Cause I mean, he has been very impressive his whole career prior to this in coverage, but he got worked. He got yeah. absolutely worked all game. Yeah, and he did not have a whole lot of help. I can't blame it entirely on him. Like that, the secondary no, of outside not. of him yeah. was not especially not especially impressive. But um, yeah, it's a really bad loss for Colorado. It's a this is not this is a this is a Stanford program that is at the Morgan. yeah at the start yeah. of a rebuild. They are beginning to rebuild. They have a first year coach in Troy Taylor, who I think is, and I've said this on the show before, a ball coach. I think he's a good coach, and I think he probably will get them going. Um, you can see sort of the glimpses of what they want to do. They just beat Colorado 46 to 43 on the road. Um, that is a, that is a, a signature win. That's a prove it win for them. And, and I think that's probably going to be something that they can build around. Um, even with Colorado being just, you know, limited, I think, I think Colorado is pretty clear, yeah. 
pretty clearly limited. Uh, it has some very good players, but also has some really bad players throughout that team. Um, but it shouldn't be this limited. Yeah, I mean, it no, like you this. shouldn't lose this game uh, at home. And they had a twenty-nine point lead. You should probably just win. But um, on the on the Stanford side of things, along with the the performance of Io Manor, but um, Ashton Daniels, who I mentioned earlier this season after they beat Hawaii, I think. Uh, not a perfect game. He was 27 to 45 passing, but almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. That dude can play. I, I have seen enough from him to say comfortably that dude can play. His ball placement is really, really, really good. Um, and yeah. he, he played, I mean, he, he, I think probably had the best game of his career here tonight. He looked fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and I mean, also, I, I don't think Shador played poorly. That, that final interception was really bad. Um, that yeah. was like just the throw you should never, ever try to make, but he, he played very well again. And you see why people are so excited about him with what he's capable of doing out there. Um, and I do appreciate kind of humility after the loss here, but yeah, I mean, the, the level of quarterback play in this game was awesome, uh, between Ashton and between Shadur, um, really impressive. Another player I wanted to point out too, was Akai Gilman, yeah. uh, for Stanford that that pick was not really, he didn't do anything special in that pick. He was the one who made the interception, but more so. He's like a little five foot nine Tasmanian devil in run defense, man. Yeah. He is a, he was a little spark plug in there. He was he was a free hitter quite often and was just blowing guys up in the hole. I was really impressed by him yeah. uh, on Stanford's defense. Um, yeah, man, what a great. I mean, I, I can't call it a, a great game. I guess it's just an all time collapse from Colorado, but a very entertaining game, especially for a Friday night. Yeah. Um, man, they manage to get eyeballs every week on this is like, yeah, Colorado is like USC junior a little bit. Right. And just that like, they, they're going to be entertaining. They're very good at a couple things. Yeah. Uh, the overall picture is still a little while away, but um, yeah, man, it's really bad loss. I just can't have that. But, but the game, the actual product that we got to watch in the field was very entertaining. Yeah. I do want to mention last thing on this, just on the Stanford side of things. This is only the third game of the year that Ashton Daniels has played the entirety of he's dealt with injuries throughout the season. Um, if he is, if he's healthy, if he's playing, these guys are not, they're not a good team, but I think that they are chippy and I think that they can get in your walls a little bit. They have a, uh, the schedule here. They're not going to win a lot of games <laughs> going down the stretch of this season, but I think that they have some opportunities to make things nasty for their opponents. They get UCLA at home. They get Washington at home. They're at Washington state, which is a problem of its own. Um, they're, they're at Oregon state. They get Cal at home and then they get Notre Dame at home. They have a chance with that, that, that defense flies around. They plays hard. They, they play hard. They're not good, but they do. They hit, they tackle, they do the things that you want to see a rebuilding team do. And if that quarterback is healthy, if they can keep Io Manor healthy and on the field, um, they can make things, they can make things a lot more frustrating for some good opponents than it probably, it probably should be. Just keep an eye on them. I, I don't think that they're going to win a lot of games, but I do think that they are interesting and they're figuring some things out. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they'll be dogs the rest of the season, but even just winning this game to go two and 10 instead of one and 11 yeah. inspires so much more confidence and, and a moment and, to build off of for next season. And you future. can, and you can maybe get Cal. I don't think it's impossible to imagine them getting Cal. No, I, I, yeah, they, yeah. They, there's, there's some juice here. Uh, noon moving into Saturday noon, Alabama survives against Arkansas 24, 21 kind of lets them back into the game. Um, had a bigger lead early on, but Arkansas works its way back, is not able to go down the field and, and you know put the ball in the end zone or score to even send it to overtime. But uh, just a, a pretty sleepy performance here from Alabama. I was kind of surprised at the amount of success Arkansas was able to, re- relative success Arkansas was able to have offensively. It was not just 
you know, completely shut down, unable to do anything. Like, they, they managed to score a couple points. They, they had 21 on the board. Um, and they kept themselves in the game, which I was not really expecting them to do. On the Alabama side of things, some some old issues kind of cropping up here uh, again for these guys, um, largely in the Jalen Mil- Milrow uh, category, in that he really just has the one thing that he can do, and that's deep balls. He doesn't He's not really very good at anything else. He can, he can throw deep balls no. and he can run around. And he had some time to do that. But also the processing, I'm still worried about, man. He's taking too many sacks. He's sitting in the pocket for four seconds. He's taking too long. It just it, it, Everything just feels a little bit slow. Yeah, I think you pulled it up uh, prior to the game or prior to our, our podcast that you know he was sacked five times. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, and he averaged, I think, three and a half seconds in the pockets on those sacks. Yeah. Which could mean two things. Uh or maybe a couple things here. Uh, one is that Alabama's receivers can't get open or they're not being schemed open. Or two is that he cannot see the field fast enough to find them when they are. Um, I think it's probably a little of column A, a little of column B, yeah. right? This is not, you know, A&M secondary you're playing against where everyone's open immediately. Arkansas does not have a great secondary. It's actually pretty poor as well, but it's slightly more structured, I guess, than what A&M does. Um, and there were just guys running wide open every play. Yeah, I mean, the book on Milrow is you either have to get him like quick hitters, you know, outside of the hashes on out routes where his arm strength carries through, uh, or you have to get him time to throw a deep ball against a receiver who can work his way open, which does not happen often enough for them. And he just, you, if you make him process and see the field and try to read, he just can't do it. Like he is not that quarterback. If you make him go through a progression, it doesn't work, man. Like it, he just does not have it at all. And, and maybe he'll get there later in his career. Because there are some tools there you like to see, like the feel and the deep ball, the arm strength, the scrambling ability and improvisation. Like there are reasons to think he could be a better player next year if they stick with him, but he clearly does not have it this year. Yep, and uh, I, I think Alabama is going to just be limited by that. I know everybody is kind of there's a lot of people who it seems like kind of excitedly are saying, well, watch out for Alabama. Alabama's sticking around. They're they're looming. It might be an Alabama year. I don't think it is, man. I just don't think that the the ceiling is that. I think that they've they're in a bad conference with the SEC being where it is this year, and they're going to win games because of that. But I think that they are just kind of down this year. I don't know that it's necessarily a, a a year where Alabama is you know just charging up and getting ready to unleash on somebody good. Like they just their offense is kind of weird, and they're they're figuring they've figured an out enough out that they are not you know almost losing to South Florida, which is uh, increasingly looking ridiculous that they did that, that they scored 17 points on that defense because that defense is dog shit. Um, but they are, they've figured enough out that they can win games in a bad conference. I don't think that they've figured enough out that people need to be like, oh, Alabama is, is, is looming in the, in the shadows, ready to do a merge. It could be another Alabama season. Like, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think that they are that level of team this year. No, not even close. Um, I mean, the second half, they had that one field goal drive and a couple first downs in their first possession, but it was nothing but three and outs besides that um, the entire time. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just there's there's not a lot cooking. Um, the rushing attack, I guess, has looked marginally better. I think they're kind of figuring that out a little bit. Um, they had, I, I believe it was uh, 211 non-sack rushing yards in the day yeah. uh, on 36 carries, which is pretty solid. Um, I mean, you'll take that and they don't produce a ton of explosive there. They don't really have anyone in the backfield capable of doing that other than Milrow on a scramble. Um, but they do have a consistent rushing attack now. Like there, there are reasons to think they're going to survive against the bad parts of their schedule. I know they kind of got a scare in this game, but you know, I still don't see a Tennessee or a Kentucky taking them out. Um, 
it is pretty much like at this point, I think Alabama clearly is a lesser team, but by a product of the conference they're in and the schedule they play, if they can get by LSU on November 4th, they're probably going to go into Atlanta with one loss. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're a serious tender to beat Georgia because I don't think they have any the goods. Uh, but they might get there. Who knows? Yep. Uh, next up, Rutgers 27, come from behind win over Michigan State 24. Um, Michigan State really freaked it here. Michigan State should have won this game, had a pretty big lead, I think, into the second half, and just too many mistakes, way too many mistakes, special teams mistakes, which continue to hurt this team, penalties that continue to hurt this team, the secondary that's not very good that continues to hurt this team. They're just not good. They're not good. Good win, good win for Rutgers, which is probably going to be if they're i don't i think they have five wins now i think they're five and two they're five and two correct. yeah, yeah. so probably bowling i would assume I, I i would hope they can get one more win Just in the last five tom allen stands between them and the board yeah i think they could probably manage that um good 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 year for them they they have been better than i think we were expecting michigan state about as bad as we thought they could be they are they're pretty bad they're they're not it's not good there right now yeah i can't say that quarterback switched anything for them no, uh, they, they benched Noah Kim. Kaden Hauser was 18 of 29 for 133 yards. Yeah. Um, and like maybe maybe a quarterback change in theory could fix things for them because I don't think Noah Kim is good. And I think that having a good quarterback would change that. The problem is they don't have any good quarterbacks. They're all bad. Every quarterback on the roster is bad. They're all dog shit. Yeah, I guess it's also worth noting, like if we're talking about evaluating Michigan State here, they did fumble the ball four times and lost three of them. Um, that's not gonna happen every week presumably right that's kind no. of a little bit of it happens too much to these guys though it, it it does happen too much and they were even on turnovers right it wasn't even turnover margin but just that kind of fumble luck is not going to repeat very often but it's still a terrible loss i mean 21 fourth quarter points to a more on rucker's offense yeah. second time he's more about this episode yeah uh is unacceptable right like like the offense was shitty but you know your offense is shitty that defense kind of collapsing like that in, in the second half um in the fourth quarter specifically really ugly yeah, really ugly. Uh, next up, speaking of ugly on one side of things for Georgia Southern here, which loses uh, 41-13 to to James Madison. I don't have a ton to say on the Georgia Southern side of things. I think that they are what they are. We've talked about them before. I don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. I don't really know why the air raid is the thing that they settled on, the thing that the program should be. It doesn't really make sense with where they are in the country or the history of the program, whatever. I don't need to do all that right now. Um, James Madison is really what I want to talk about briefly here um, because these guys are just fucking good. They're really, really, really good. They, they, they forced three sacks. They had three interceptions. Um, not a huge, you know, dominant game on, on yardage, but James Madison comes in and really just slaps Georgia Southern around for, for 60 minutes, really had no problem at, at all with that offense. Uh, Georgia Southern had two field goals before the, uh, the final 26 seconds of the fourth quarter when they scored a, uh, they scored a rushing touchdown from a yard out to make it. You would say more respectable, but I don't respect this loss. They got the shit kicked out of them. It was James Madison beat the hell out of these guys. It was never, ever competitive. Really, really impressive team. They're just, they're damn good. They're damn good at everything that they do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, they have, I mean, just met and exceeded every expectation you could possibly have for them. Yeah. Um, it, it's really cool to watch, and it sucks they're not going to have a chance to play for a conference title or for a New Year's Six Bowl game or anything like that. And it's not guaranteed they'll get there, right? They still have some hairy games coming up the rest of the way. Uh, I think there are probably three or four tricky games left in the schedule, but what they're doing so far looks to me like the class of the conference. Yeah, they're the people's champ right now. Um, noon to, to wrap this slate up, 
Um, do you have any thoughts on Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, or uh, or Georgia taking care of business against bad teams within their conference? Georgia a little less so than everybody else. The rest were pretty dominant. Um, do you have any yeah. thoughts here? Uh, I mean, Georgia was in a 10-point game with Vanderbilt with six minutes left. You, you yeah. don't want to be doing that, generally. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I that's wouldn't. That's bad news. Personally, I wouldn't want to do For that. For me, but... I wouldn't. Yeah. And Brock Bowers was banged up for a large segment of this game. Um, no, I mean, I, I thought, you know, Ohio State and, and Michigan in particular, like, had very bad opponents and, like, the way you should against very bad opponents. A um, couple, like, I think mistakes that we probably won't see very often again from Ohio state, just like drop balls, which is receiving group. Like we know it's a great group. That doesn't happen very often for them. I would not be worried about that going forward. They, they don't really do that. And they never have. They were, um, they were without a Mecca Ibuka here, right? Correct. A Mecca didn't play and Marv had a couple drops and yeah. uh, Julian Fleming had one, just a couple weird plays. You don't, I don't think get repeated very often. No, Um. still no but, real uh, issue with beating Purdue. Purdue was not, Purdue was not competitive here. No, it was a 41 7 game. I'm, I'm not trying to critique Ohio State. They, they played very, very well. Um, yeah, but I, I would say that um, uh, Florida State probably was the, the the best of the bunch in this day. I mean, like, just by virtue of the competition they played, right? Syracuse, even though they are banged up, is still a better team than, than Purdue or, or Indiana. Um, and, and they looked very good against them, uh, you know, racked up uh, over 500 yards of offense. Um, just a comfortable, easy win for them. Keon Coleman had a couple crazy plays. Uh, that that big catch, that one-handed catch over the middle was incredible. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, just an awesome play from him. Yeah, man. Uh, good day of football for, for Florida State. I thought they, they, they were great. Um, Syracuse just uh, back half of the yeah. season is 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 looking. I mean, they got a couple easy games coming up here where they, they can get some wins, but um, they need it. Just <laughs> they need it they really need it bad. badly because it's been three straight blowout losses. Yeah, they are they are decimated right now with with injuries that we've talked about before. Um, the last good time one, for the bye week. Yeah, good yeah. time for the bye week. The last one in here is Michigan beating the hell out of Indiana. Not any huge surprise. Michigan's taking care of business. Michigan is is establishing itself as doing the things that it wants to do. I think that Michigan is is pretty clearly rounded into form and, and ready for yeah. a higher level of competition that it still has to wait for. Still not going to really get that for a little bit. Um, but they are uh, Michigan's taking care of business and I think has a very yeah. a very strong claim right now for the top spot. I would not put them there. I would put a team like Washington that we're going to talk about in just a second. A team that has that has beaten Wait, somebody. Yeah, yeah, that has beaten top opponents. That has beaten a ranked team or a team that even has sort of a claim for being. Uh, considered as good. Um, I don't think Michigan has really done that, save for, you know, I think UNLV is maybe G5 good, um, kind of, but uh, good win yeah, here maybe, for Michigan. Yeah. Michigan is is, uh, is taking care of business and really starting to, to look like, I think, what we were expecting Michigan to look like this year. Yeah, I will say I will offer up a brief Mia Culpa and J.J. McCarthy. I spent a lot of time talking shit on him. Okay. Um, he's been brilliant this season. Uh, okay. He's been very, very good. Um, in the same breath, I will also say... You guys sound like huge fucking nerds when you compare him to Patrick Mahomes because he makes a flip pass. Yeah, come uh, on. shut the fuck up. Come, come on. on, be an adult. Well, uh, so here I'll, I'll do this. This is our good our good judgment for where you're at on on JJ at any point in the season. How tall is he right now? How tall is JJ McCarthy currently? I'm hearing like six one and a quarter. Okay. Six one and a quarter is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, he's gotten the Ron DeSantis lifts in, um, which is probably why he had an ankle injury. Actually, a lot of people are saying that that he banged up his ankle because he yeah. was wearing the Ron DeSantis lifted shoes. Did you see? Uh, did you see? Did you see Ron's like like his uh, his Wizard of Oz uh, curling at the end shoes that he was wearing? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> did you hear the theories behind it though? It's because they're giving him a longer shoe 
because the back of it is lifted. It's like a lifted heel. Nice. Uh, so he's like an inch or two taller. Um, yeah, it's a very bizarre shoe. That's what that, JJ wears for the games. That's so uh, that's odd to, to permanently yeah. fuck up your your body, like to to ruin your your feet and your legs and your spine forever to pull at nine percent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for president. That's so sick. Oh man, what a good what a what a good setup uh, to be to be doing that. Anyway, that's we we support JJ in his effort to look a little bit taller. He's getting there. He's getting closer. Uh, maybe someday he can become six foot three. Um, as he, uh, as he claims, as he claims on his, on his Michigan dating profile that they have on the website for all of their players. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, good game from him. Really good game from him. He's been good this season. He has, um, I'm not, I'm yeah. not the JJ critic. That, they call yeah. it twinge. That's yeah. It's called there. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I won't elaborate on that to take any further. No. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the game of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe the game of the season, I would say at, at this point, I think that this was, the best game that I have seen this year, personally, that I remember seeing the most of of the most important games. The stakes, obviously, significant here, pretty significant in in quite a few ways, both within the conference and the national landscape, um, and delivering on all of it, delivering completely, and and I think even going beyond the expectations that we had for this game. We were very excited about this one, and it was perfect. I, I really have no complaints at all about Washington 36, Oregon 33, Oregon misses what could have been a, a, a game-tying field goal to send it to overtime. Um, there is, again, like I said with the Stanford-Colorado game, there's so much to talk about here. Um, where do you where do you want to start with this one? I mean, just to do the highest level, like, surface take, I, I will say that it's really cool with the game with this kind of billing when all of the stars show up. Yeah. Like every player that's building this game as like an NFL guy, you know, you, you can go on Oregon side with Bo Nix and Bucky Irvine and Troy Franklin. And, you know, all those guys played great games for Washington. You had Michael Penix, you had the receiver uh, duo with, uh, with Polk and, and Odunze with Millen out. Um, I, I guess maybe like, you know, uh, Braylon Trice didn't really do anything incredible, but besides that, like yeah. all the big names in this game who we all have heard about all season um, showed up and showed out. Like they all played awesome games. I don't think anyone can look at this game and like hang their head or say like, oh, we we freaked it. Our mistakes caused this. Like this yeah. was two great football teams battling for four quarters and someone had to win. Um, man, such a good game. Just such an impressive performance. Uh, the the Washington touchdown drive, the go-ahead drive. Uh, where, to, I mean, to, to call it a touchdown drive maybe is even a little bit uh, generous because it was two plays. They just... They had the right. chance to go down and, and and take the lead with not very much time left. They, their defense finally got a stop, got a much needed stop um, on a on a fourth down try that I, I think and I, I said as much on Twitter, you know, Dan Landing, people are going to they're going to question going for it. They are going for it on fourth and short from right around midfield. Um, I don't mind it. I, I, I really don't. Dude, I that, that loser, that loser, Matt Barry, the guy yeah. we hate on the broadcast said that Oregon, uh, lost this game because they chased touchdowns instead of, instead of field goals. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I, I cannot get on the show every week and, and complain about coaches who try to, who, you know, who, who play not to lose and they, they take the ball away from their players. They punt in that situation. They, they don't let their guys go out and try to prove it in the red zone, what, whatever it might be. Right. Um, I can't say, I can't do all that. And then also yeah. complain about Dan Lanning going out on his sword. He did, he did. I uh, credit to him. I, I think that that is a, 
that's a, a totally respectable way to lose this game. You got beat by a really, really good team. I think that Oregon is also a really good team. I was impressed fully with both of these teams. I, I don't think my estimation of Oregon is really dropped at all by them losing. I think Washington just made more plays, made one or two more plays and won the game. But for for Dan Lanning to go out that way, I really don't, I have no issue with it. He he trusted his guys and it didn't work out this time, but I appreciate that he did it. I appreciate that he, he took that shot, that he gave Bo Nix the chance to go and win the game, to go and, and shut it down. It just didn't happen. And that, you know, sometimes you play a really good team and the really good team makes a play and, and gets off the field and Washington had really not been able to get off the field. I think the call was totally understandable. I, I think that there was reason to trust your offense there, reason to go for it. I don't blame him at all. But then Washington gets the ball, and I think it would have probably gone down the field with you know any amount of yardage to gain had it been a punt or a turnover on downs there because Michael Penix, man, just the final drive was, was emblematic, and, and he goes out and makes two beautiful throws, puts one in the end zone, goes up and, and you know, I don't was it Polk who caught that? I think it was. Um, yeah. And uh, puts it just right on the money for Polk. And he was, Michael Penix was as good here as I think you could possibly ask uh, of a quarterback in this moment. And Bo Nix was great here too. Bo Nix played really well. But Michael Penix with the game on the line, this is when you want your superstar to to show up and take you down the field and go and win the game. And dealing with cramps for the entire fourth quarter was hit hard throughout the game. Only took one sack, but he was he was pressured. He was hit. He was hit a lot, and just goes out and and strikes. Uh, he brilliant, brilliant, brilliant performance from him. I don't know. I don't know how anybody is better than he is right now. I don't. I don't know how there's a single quarterback in, in college football who you could look at and say, yeah, that guy's better than Michael Penix. He's the best one. He's the best quarterback in America, and he he proved it. He proved it with all of the you know, all of the stakes of the moment with the game on the line. He went out and just delivered, and he does it time and time again. He is so so damn good. Yeah, and, and you know, and just like in the Heisman conversation, right? If you want to like stick to it as a, you know, the guy, everyone has their own definitions for that award. And if you want to call it like, you know, the best outright player, I think he has a claim to that, yeah. you know, the best quarterback on a winning team. He, he has a claim to that, the, the, the best, the player is most important to their team success. Like however you want to define this, I think he fits the box. He checks yeah. the boxes, right? Like he is everything to this team. Um, excuse me. And, and, and I think just like the way he's played all season, um, his whole time at Washington and, you know, I think he's taken a step up from his from his time in Indiana, yeah. where he was still very good there. But I mean, obviously, uh, but but the, how he's been such a complete player, and again, the ball placement, the 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 arm talent, the arm angles, uh, the feel for his offense, and knowing when to trust the receivers. And I mean, my gosh, man, just such a complete player. It's so cool to watch uh, what he does for them, and um, he, he just feels everything so well. I think he feels pressure very well. Like he's just a guy who his mastery of the position is such a high level right now that it's so fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this, again, Bo Nix is also a very high level player. Like he became someone we never thought he'd be right. Seeing him do this again uh, is awesome. You know, I think Bo's had a great career for Oregon and kind of keeps elevating even more. Uh, he was fantastic this game. I don't think you really, you know, knock him at all the way he played in, in whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, these defenses also played well. Like I think, you know, even though you look at a game where they, they finished with 69 combined points, you can still say that like these defenses each made some big stops. They needed them. Uh, and they harassed these quarterbacks. Like, I, I think 
uh, holding either one of these offenses to less than 40 points is, is an incredibly difficult challenge. Yeah. Uh, and for both defenses to play as well, they did is, is impressive to me. So these are much more complete football teams than maybe I thought. Like we, we had some good stats in Oregon's defense against bad competition. Um, Washington's defense had looked pretty mediocre the season so far, um, but they both made some plays they needed to. And I, I think these are more complete football teams than maybe I expected, right? This yeah. is not like one of those 2013 Big 12 championships between two top 10 teams where it's a shootout because no one can play D like these are just, these are two teams that are much more complete than we thought. Yeah. And, and, and I think Oregon's defense was, you know, the more impressive of the two because it did it for a large, it covered a larger part of the field and what it was able to do. Right. Like they, there were, there was a lot of time in the second half where Washington could have taken control of the game, really could have put the game on ice, had several opportunities yeah. to do it. And Oregon stepped up even with some injuries in the secondary Oregon delivered and and coverage was really really good in those moments and they they made it that so you know so that they had the chance to go out and try to win that game on 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 fourth down and it didn't work and then Washington goes down the field but putting that offense in that spot is hard to do it's it's really really hard especially when you have the 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 momentum really all in Washington's favor after a couple of red zone stops which is where that defense really really shone and I think it gave up one later on in the game, but they had two or three stops in the red zone where, where Oregon goes for it, does not get it. Washington gets off the field. I think that that yeah. was where the defense really, really showed up for them. And when they really needed it to, they, the tackling was suspect. They had some really big hits, which was impressive, but they also, and they made some big plays. They had a, you know, a, a couple tackles for loss. They had a couple sacks. I think they had the one sack, but um, Washington here to overcome that the 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 overcoming they had two turnovers, overcoming the the missed opportunities, the Oregon comeback, being able to respond here late, get off the field at the last possible moment when you really needed to, when you hadn't been able to for most of the second half, and then to go down and win the game, um, it was that that told me a lot about this team. And this is a team that I'm already high on, right? I've talked about it. I think that this team is really good. And I thought that coming in, coming out, I think that this team is national title good. I think they are absolutely that level of team, the way that they responded to adversity here, adversity that they hadn't really seen this season. Um, that's really, really fucking hard to do. It's really, really hard to keep your guys together in that moment. And they did it and they, they punched through and they're only going to get better from from this experience and from being in that spot and and seeing that they can do it. Um, I yeah. I really could not be more impressed with Washington. I think they're the best team in America right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, and even for I mean, Oregon as well to come away from this that that felt like a playoff game. And and you can you can look to the upside for Oregon here to say they were better on third and fourth down than Washington. They outgained Washington by 130 yards. Yeah. They were fine on penalties. They won the turnover battle. They won the time <laughs> possession battle and they still lost like this. Like that's a team that can absolutely look back at this and say, look, we execute on a couple plays here and there and we yeah. win this game. They had a field goal we to send it to overtime. Any... They just missed exactly. the field goal. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, it's just a couple things, but they were right there. They, they had, they had the chance and they, they played well enough to put themselves in those opportunities. It's just that it went the wrong way this time. But I, I really, yeah. like I said, I don't feel any worse about Oregon watching this. I maybe even feel better about them. I, I think that that's a really, really yeah. damn good the, team. The, they'll be favored in every game the rest of the regular season. I sure. would, yeah, and I would be pretty shocked if these two aren't playing again in, in December. Um, because I think that these are, this is pretty clearly the class of the, of the Pac-12, and I don't know that anybody else is especially close. There will probably be tough games for these teams. There's, there's a lot of good teams in this conference. Um, but these two are, are pretty 
pretty close to complete. It feels like as, as football teams. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, hope we see these guys playing some big moments in December or beyond, uh, cause they, they've earned it. Yeah. Um, Hey, you know, a team that didn't earn it, uh, Wisconsin did exactly what we said they should not do, uh, which is they threw the hell out of the football against Iowa. Why would you do that? What what is wrong with these guys? What do, why are they why are they like this? Man, I'm I need to pull up the actual stats here because I was looking at it again this morning. I watched most of this game live. Um, and I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton to watch. There wasn't a ton that happened. They, they threw the football 50 times. Wisconsin yeah, they, did. they threw the football 50 times. And not only did they throw the football 50 times, they threw it 30 times with backup Braden Locke. When he went into the game for, for Tanner Mordecai, who was 12 of 20, Locke was 15 of 30 passing. What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Dude, you have maybe the best running back in America who was averaging five yards a carry and you only gave him 18 touches. That, what is the point of having that guy on your team of having this identity in a tight big 10 West game and playing that way? Like, what are, what are you thinking? I, I, it, and there it, are other problems. Like their run defense was a lot worse than I expected to be. That was an issue. Yeah. Right. Like, like LaShawn Williams eating. Yeah. But... Iowa basically couldn't pass here and still managed to get some points on the board. They were Deacon Hill was six of 14 for 37 yards. He was not a factor in the game and Wisconsin. I mean, just what a waste what a waste of what they what they have they should win this game just run the fucking ball what's wrong with you Ugh. yeah Jesus. yeah I, I mean there's no Iowa had nine first downs how do you lose this game <laughs> come on it's honest it's very frustrating like i it's it's like we're like i don't know obviously i make no secret the fact that i like luke fickle right and i, I want him to succeed um and I don't really enjoy the Ferentz experience. No. But, like, it's just, as a neutral observer, it is so frustrating to watch an obviously stupid game plan be executed by any football team. Yeah. Um, it, There's just no rhyme or reason to it. It's just Phil Longo costing his team a game. Um, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, the game was never out of reach, right? It wasn't like you, you couldn't run the football. They had, this was a tight game, you know, until the last moments. There's no reason they had to panic like this. It's it's so stupid and so frustrating. And with a backup quarterback, man, there's no other. You you cannot ask for a better excuse to go away from the passing attack, than you lose your starter. Right, you're you're down to the second guy. What are you doing? I I just uh, yeah. Luke, Luke Fickle deserves plenty of 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 criticism for hiring Phil Longo for thinking that this would work. It was a stupid idea. Um, it continues to be a stupid idea. It is very, very clearly not going to work. He needs to fire this guy. He needs to move on. He needs to get somebody who fits what they want to do better. Um, it's it's just stupid. It's a it's a stupid, stupid decision. It's a rare, um, completely unforced error from from him. And now, you know, the the winner of this game was going to have a very clear path to Indianapolis. And now it's Iowa that has it. I don't see another. I mean. Who are they going to lose to on this schedule? They don't play anybody. It's done. This is this was pretty much it. And Wisconsin just not doesn't have the doesn't have the game plan for it. Doesn't have the right approach here. Does not have the right idea. Phil Longo not ready. He doesn't know how to do this. He's not. This is not a team for him. This is not a situation for him. Not a conference for him. Dead on arrival with him. He's got to go. He's got to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I I'm checking right now. Because I'm curious, my feel watching what I could of this game is that 
like Wisconsin's offensive play calling was just like the classic, very obvious NFL stuff of like run pass pass. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. You know what I mean? And I'm checking here. Um, it looks like on Wisconsin in the second half, they only ran the football on three of 14 second downs um, <laughs> in the second half. Come Just, on. It was every single time they were going run, pass, pass, every time. Uh, there was no variance, but they did. Iowa knew it was coming. Iowa was too smart and too well-coached of a defense. Yeah. First of all, you can't do that against anybody, right? You can't be that predictable against anybody, but especially a team like that. Um, dude, I mean, do you think you're what gonna, can you say? Do you think your what backup you quarterback is going to beat that secondary? Is that your plan there? Is, oh, if we just get a little bit on first down, then we can beat them on passing downs. No, you can't. You can't do that. Very few teams can do that. You with a backup quarterback certainly can't. And yeah. receivers who are like just guys. There's just a bunch of guys there. It's not anybody special. What are you thinking? I it just it it's 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 baffling. It's totally totally baffling. What a seriously just. I mean, they freaked it. They freaked it. They freaked this whole season. It, it, massive unforced error from Wisconsin. Really not a good start for for Luke Fickle there. He fucked this up. He fucked this up really really bad. And I think yeah. he can fix it. I I have seen him do it before. He's done it at Cincinnati. He has fixed his own mistakes before, but like Jesus, you got to get going. You got to get going on that, man, cuz this offense is not workable. It's just Phil Longo's stupid as shit. He's one of the worst coordinators in football. He's a he's a massive yeah. fucking moron and you got taken by and, him. And like the instinct of hiring someone who's a little more ambitious in passing concepts what Wisconsin had done for the past, you know, ever yeah. is not wrong. But this is not the guy to do it. Clearly, no, it's the guy go to hire go hire a Liam Cohen style individual. Go do that. Go yeah. go. You know, yeah. the, the passing attack is play action. It's setting up easier throws. It's it's you're still running the ball as your primary thing. I just there's no there's no the instinct that they have here is just dead fucking wrong. It's completely it's stupid. Um. Anyway, sp- speaking of games that are stupid, Tennessee twenty, Texas A and M thirteen. This was awful. This was an awful game. The thing that really stands out to me here more than anything, this was not like a, a Joe Milton goes nuts game. He was bad. He was 11 of 22 for 100 yards with a touchdown and one interception. Um, however, very, very interestingly, Jalen Wright, 19 carries for 136 yards with a long of 23. So he was doing it. He was just grinding out yards. I didn't think they could do that. I didn't think Tennessee could do that. And they, they win the game, I think, because of it. Running on a defense. He's been excellent that, this yeah, year, man. Run, he, but, he, but on a defense that had been really good against the run, Tennessee got it going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100%. He now, uh, through you know the, the, the first six games of the season and the game and the season last year, uh, he has 226 carries uh, for over 1,450 yards. Damn. Um, he, he has been playing very well. He's been averaging consistently like six and a half to seven yards a clip over the past couple of years. Um, he's a very good back yeah. and your quarterback sucks and this should be your game plan virtually every week. It's just run the football. Yeah. Um, yeah. Run the football. You know, yeah. I mean, they got a bye week before they play Bama. Uh, they're probably not going to beat Bama because Tennessee sucks. Yeah. But man, A&M is just complete dog shit. Uh, just such a, I don't know. I don't know how hot the seat actually gets for Jimbo. I don't know what the actual numbers are on the buyout this year. I've heard it's seen anywhere as high as seventy-five million, which doesn't seem like it can't be correct, right? It's been so long for this contract. It's a big Maybe amount. Wrong, that's but... a big amount of money. That's a pretty significant that's... buyout, even for Texas A&M. Um, 
Yeah, I mean they can't they can't really get rid of him, but just he's wasting all of our time. Like yeah. he is just completely wasting our time. Yeah, that that's the that was the the phrase that comes to mind for me when thinking about this Texas A and M game and also just this program right now. It's a waste of space. They are they are not. There's there's no point for the, there's no purpose in what they are doing. There's no reason for them to exist as a program. They're not doing anything. There's no goal here. There's no thing that they're working towards. They're just wasting time. They're they're bringing in recruits. They're not doing anything with them. Um, they suck. They just they're they're fun. They're just a miserable program. Fundamentally, not ever going to do anything under this current tenure. Jimbo sucks. He's a shitty coach. Yeah, he's he's cooked. I mean, we we have we're good. Like I, I'm good on Jimbo. I don't need him to be around college football anymore. Um, he can like I, I would like him to go away. Yep, I'm done with him. Uh, Utah 34, Cal 14. Not a ton to say on this one. Just an impressive uh, showing here from Utah's offense, which has not been good this season. They are still without Cam Rising. I don't know when that kid is going to play, if he's going to play. <laughs> I would really like to see him here at some point. Um, but Utah still manages to get it done. Cal just not in a good place. Not in a good place here for Cal. You cannot be. You cannot be letting them do this to you offensively. The the Cal defense is not what it once was. Um, it was not like a, a giant outburst from Utah. They, I mean, they put 34 points on the board, but Bryson Barnes was not amazing or anything. This was mostly... Uh, no, but 445 yards of offense is pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 not too shabby, especially for these guys. They did a lot of it on the ground, um, and they, they go out and they get it done. It's a, it's a good win for, for Utah. I, I think that they needed this one, and they... They go out and they set the tone, and they never really, uh, never really look back. It was not super. It was not super competitive here after the first, uh, the first quarter. Cal scores first, and then it was pretty much over. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, also, Cole Bishop recovered a fumble in this game. Kid is always around the football, mm-hmm. just constantly. Uh, I mean, he is. They got him from Atlanta. Did you know that he's an Atlanta area recruit? <laughs> That's baffling. Um, That's a baffling. Yeah. <laughs> pairing of guy right there. Yeah, kind of funny, but. Um, no man, um, pretty impressed with uh, with Sione Vaki for for Utah. Um, good day from him. Quinn uh, Jackson also ran the ball well. Um, it seems like Vaki is kind of taking over the lead spot there uh, pretty quickly here. But um, yeah, Bryson Barnes played like the best version of Bryson Barnes, which is still averaging six yards an attempt. But he didn't turn the ball over, and he hit two thirds of his pass, or you know, three quarters of his passes. So I'll take that all day. Yep. Uh, next up, Oklahoma State thirty nine, Kansas thirty two. Um, I, I, I'll get the complimenting of Oklahoma State out of the way first. I think that they have figured some things out enough that they can be competent. They're 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 not desolate anymore. They have th- they have some things going for them. The offense is is figuring itself out with Allen Bowman at quarterback. Um, they are they're better than they were. Certainly, they've won they've won two games now against pretty pretty good opponents. Um, on the Kansas side of things. Just a, a comedy of errors, uh, really a comedy of errors. They had an extra point blocked. They missed two point or two two point conversion tries. Um, Jason Bean, who had otherwise played pretty well, four hundred and ten yards and five touchdown passes, is quite the day for him. But he had two really bad interceptions. Um, just too many mistakes here from from Kansas, and they they're not the the margins are not such for these guys that they can win a game like that. They couldn't really run the ball. Um, they, they just, they made too many mistakes and they lost to an Oklahoma state team that I think is improving, but still you shouldn't lose to them. No, no, it's a pretty unacceptable loss and, uh, pretty frustrating for the hopes we had for Kansas. I mean, like the rest of the year now, like the upside is kind of just taking out, they need, uh, they need Jalen Daniels back in a pretty bad way. They need Jalen Daniels. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they get the bye week thankfully, but maybe you get some momentum back and have some fun. If you can take out Oklahoma, uh, on October 28th after your bye week. 
Um, that'd be cool to see. Otherwise, you're kind of just playing for a higher level bowl game or who knows. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. have much to say about it. Yep. Uh, Illinois 27, Maryland 24 on the road. Illinois goes in and wins. Um, a huge win. Huge, huge win for these guys. I don't know how the hell they did this, but they did it. And uh, I think I think a lot of people maybe counted out Illinois a little bit before they should. This is not a good team, but they are yeah, still... me too. Me, they, myself they, included. Well, I'm yeah. saying more as a program. More people saying, well, what are we doing here with Brett Bielema? This is what you're doing. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, I, he's I, rebuilding. I had Illinois fans, I had Illinois fans going to fire Brett Bielema's entrance. Come on, uh, come and... on guys. You gotta, yeah. you gotta chill out. It's a rebuilding year for Illinois. They're gonna be down. It's fine. It happens. It's most most programs have to do that. Illinois is not at a level where it can't do that, and they're still getting wins over over you know competent teams. I think that the Maryland hype every year. I don't know why people keep fucking doing this to themselves. These guys are not serious. They're never serious. Um, but Illinois gets the job done. Big big road win for them. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. This is one. I mean, I, I don't. I, I guess the hype on Maryland is something I may I may push back on. Like, I don't think anyone ever thinks Maryland's actually good. I just think people thought they were good enough this year to win their nine games against the teams that aren't the big three in the conference. You know, I guess. Uh, and they freaked it this week. I mean, they just freaked it. It's not something you should be doing. Um, even if you know Illinois, I, I like Brett and all that stuff. It's still not really an acceptable loss for a team that had the expectations they had, which is no. like probably a ranked finish this year. Yeah. Um, just can't lose at home like this. Just absolutely cannot happen. There's, there's no. I, I don't have anything else to say. There's no excuse for it. I mean, it wasn't like anything weird happened. There weren't like a bunch of turnovers or something. Or I mean, you know, it wasn't like they were heavily penalized. It was just they got pushed around. They, I mean, they got they got they pushed got, around. They got they, pushed yeah. around up front. It just yeah, that, that that's it. Like it was. I'm looking at it now. It was you know Maryland won on yardage. Uh, they were equal on, on key downs on third and fourth downs. Um, they are virtually equal on penalties, equal on turnovers, equal on time of possession. And Illinois just finished their shit and Maryland didn't. Like that's the game. Yep. That's the game. I, I just I can't take Maryland seriously. I, I just I just can't. They're not they're not serious. They're not a serious football program. They don't have they don't have the horses, nor do they have the approach to be a serious football program. They're just going to keep doing this indefinitely. This is what they are under under Loxley. This is who he is as coach. Um <laughs> You don't have the score listed here on the doc. You just have fuck Florida written. Do you want to elaborate on this? Oh, I it just pisses me off so bad. These guys are one of like the worst teams in the power five or somehow five and two because this dog shit conference. Yeah. Um I they they're bad. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty like, they're pretty bad. I, I know they I know they put up five hundred yards in South Carolina, but like come on, dude. This is not a serious team. This is not a serious program. Florida is not good. They're, 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 not, they're not playing anybody good. No. <sighs> I, I, it's just... I think Ricky Pearsall is good. I will give them credit for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sure. He had 10 receptions. And Graham Burtz is having his best season ever. I mean, yeah. he's just not turning the ball over, which is what they needed from him. Yeah. He had 423 yards passing today, or yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Ricky Pearsall, 10 receptions, 166 yards and a touchdown, and that is that's enough to beat a good chunk of teams in this conference. It's just not a good league this year. South Carolina, not a good football team. Um, even with one of the the better Spencer Rattler performances that they have gotten, they just don't have a whole lot going on over there. There's just not much, not much happening for the Gamecocks and they, they lose at home in a game that they probably, probably should have won. Two despicable programs. Just good, good riddance, please. Um, baffling, baffling result here. Virginia Tech beat this shit out of wake. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it did. <laughs> Thirty to thirteen. Um, what was I? I can't say I watched a snap of this game. What the fuck happened here? Um, well, you know, I also didn't really, I didn't pay a ton of attention. I'll, I'll be honest to uh, Virginia Tech thirty way Force thirteen, but it, I did. It's the kind of result that you do have to go back and kind of look at a little bit. And I think that this one really comes down to the quarterback matchup. Strangely enough, strongly in favor of Virginia Tech. Did not think that that was going to be the case, but Kyron no. Jones was excellent here. Three hundred and twenty-one yards, two touchdowns. Mitch Griffiths, meanwhile, 8 of 17 for 61 yards with an interception. He left the game fairly early on with an injury. Michael Kern comes in, um, was a little bit better, 14 of 22 for a buck 66, didn't turn the ball over. But offense just hasn't been there for Wake. Um, and Virginia Tech, I think, I don't really want to compliment them too they're, much because I don't think they're good, but yeah. I do think that they are they, they're improving. I think they are feisty enough. That I mean, can... their pass rush was great. Yeah, uh, they, they had seven sacks. They have yeah. some things going for them. They've they've beaten not very good teams. They beat Old Dominion, Pitt, and, uh, and, and Pitt, Pitt pre quarterback change, which I think is going to be a distinction we'll have to make for the rest of the season, given what happened last night. Um, and then they beat Wake Forest. I don't think it's going to be like a huge season or anything for these guys. They've got three wins right now. They have Syracuse at home on a on a Thursday night, not this upcoming week, but the week after. They're at Louisville, at Boston College, and at home against NC State. There's some stuff they can do in there, but I think they are showing some signs of life that they really needed to show. They there's they're they're alive. Virginia Tech is alive. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um they have a defensive end who's been playing great. Antoine Powell Ryland yeah. uh has seven sacks through six games. He's just a junior. Um, playing real, really well for the Mafia Edge. Um, he's been a bright spot for this team, and I mean, Kyron Jones was was awesome, like you said uh, on Saturday, which is something you never expect to say about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, good for Virginia Tech. I mean, it's it's a nice win. Brent Pry is is figuring maybe something out there. They've got shit. I mean, four pretty winnable games in their final five. I mean, they get Syracuse at home, a very injured Syracuse team. They still play Boston college. They get NC state at home and they, they also uh, go to Virginia. Uh, I don't think they're probably going to win at Louisville, but um, you know, it's not crazy to make a bowl game, right? If you can, if you beat Syracuse and Boston, if, if you beat Boston college or Virginia and get one of Syracuse, NC state or Louisville, yeah. you're going bowling. Yeah. Um, which is impressive. That's progress. That's what they need. Uh, last one in the afternoon slate, and then we'll move on to the evening. TCU 44, BYU 11. <laughs> I don't know what the hell to say about this. This is another one of those results that just uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really make a ton of sense, and there's not much that would illuminate it. Just TCU beat the hell out of BYU. I did not think TCU had it in them. TCU working with a backup quarterback here who played his ass off, Josh Hoover. Uh, 37 of 58 passing for 439 with four touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, That has not really been the thing that has worked for TCU this year. His, the passing attack has been pretty shaky so far. Um, I think they maybe have some life with that kid. I think that he is a better player than <laughs> anything else they've thrown out at quarterback so far this season. I'm not a huge, uh, I think it's Chandler Morris who has, who had been mm -hmm. there. Not a huge Chandler Morris guy. I think that if you're going to, if you're going to do this, if you're going to go, you know, take the lumps of a rebuilding season, you might as well do it with the redshirt freshman who played really well here against a a BYU team that takes a really really shitty loss. This is not a good this is not yeah. a good outing here for BYU at all. I mean, I, I will say I thought BYU was one of the most fake one loss teams in the country, but yeah. I, I did not expect them to give up almost 600 yards of offense to TCU. Yeah, um, you don't that usually was not get my... yeah you don't usually get reminded this solidly with a, with a team like that. 
the reckoning is not usually this strong. Um, this was one hell of a, uh, hey, these guys aren't actually good kind of game. Yeah, yeah, that was an ass kicking. Um, yeah, curious to see what TCU does the rest of the way because they, they have, I'd say, four pretty competitive games in their final five with, you know, road games at Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and a home game against Texas. Yeah. Uh, Baylor also comes to Fort Worth, which should be a win. Um, yeah, I mean, you get one of those and you're going, you beat Baylor and you get one of those games, you're going to a bowl game, which obviously not what your hope was for the season, but it's still like after some of those really bad losses early in the year, that's something better than maybe it projected for a second. Yeah. I do have a two, I have a pair of uh, afternoon games that I want to mention just briefly in, in the category that I would describe as the Patrick was right games. Uh, first up FAU 56 South Florida 14. I would like for you to apologize for what you said to me about South Florida. These guys are dog shit. Come on. These guys are dog shit. What I, I don't even remember. You what said, said that they, you said that they could contend in the AAC. You said they had some things going. Did I say that? That doesn't yeah, sound like me. I would never say something like that. You said that. I could. I can go back and check the tape. You said that. These guys suck. No need. Um, no need. Tom Herman style um, individual gets after him, gets it done, kicks an onside kick in the fourth quarter, <laughs> up by up by. Salute to points. our boy Tom Herman. Shout he's to he's a dog. He's the king. Uh, he is one of the greatest. Just like wants to break you mentally, coaches. Like I, I appreciate yeah. that. He has a little bit of that killer instinct to him in a way that's fun. Like he, he always, when he was at Ohio state and a bit at Texas as well, like if he found a play that was working, he would just spam it until you stopped it. Yeah. And, um, and he also was, he would love to go for, uh, love to go for an onside kick, love to go for a fourth, you know, a, a fourth down and just break your will and get the game over yeah. and have your team quit. And, uh, it worked. This one especially is, is significant. I want to mention just for the, the morale of the two teams involved here, because FAU is obviously new to the conference and would love to fashion itself as the rival, the new rival in Florida for, for South Florida, um, which South Florida fans have sort of, uh, during this season and certainly during this past week, pushed back on, you know, saying, well, you're not on, you're new, you're not on our level. Um, this is a this is a statement here. <laughs> this is a, a, a pretty good way to make a statement, I would say, if you are, if you're FAU. Yeah, we're not rivals. We're much better than you. We're actually significantly further along than you are at, at this point, and we just joined. Um, that is is uh i have a hard time seeing south florida bounce back from that one that's a hard that's a hard loss to take especially the way that they did it uh the other one here i just want to mention i was not necessarily it's the patrick was right category but one more thing though on on south florida is that they gave up 56 points in back-to-back games yeah um not a good way to build confidence to your team just just want to say that don't don't do that anyway keep going uh the other one there's not necessarily one that i was right about but i did mention it as something that was possible um i think niu is rapidly improving and they won against ohio at home 23 to 13 uh wasn't like dominant or anything but ohio is one of the best teams in the mac and niu is is getting some things done they're figuring some things some stuff out offensively i think that they have turned a little bit of a corner and are worth keeping an eye on in the west because toledo has been trying really hard to fuck this up toledo keeps playing really ugly football games against bad teams i think niu is worth uh worth keeping an eye on here they've got some they've got some beef up front and they they're getting a lot better at at deploying it i think that that team is is improving and worth considering in the mac yeah big game coming up between toledo and miami of ohio yeah um, should be fun. i'm looking forward to that one should be fun yep. all right evening slate here <laughs> The big one, the big one that we have somehow, I don't know how we have the restraint that we have held off on this for as long as we have, but we finally arrived at the moment that, that you and I have been waiting for for so long. Notre Dame 48, USC 20. 
<laughs> I mean, holy shit. They kicked holy the piss shit, out of them. USC looked like an FCS team. USC got fucking pantsed on national television for four they hours. It was embarrassing. Yeah. This was fun. Fight it, back. What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. Yeah. It is also really, really, really funny to put up 48 points with 13 first downs and 251 <laughs> yards. Um, almost impossible to do. Oh, my God. Yeah, Notre Dame's offense was not, like, you know, good. They They... They ran the ball a little bit. They had a little bit of success running, but Sam Hartman largely sucked. I think he had one throw that was really worth much of anything. Um, they did have a the Notre Dame had a kickoff return for a touchdown, but it was and set, also a fumble return. Touchdown, yeah, right? and also a fumble return for a touchdown, but it was setting up pr- pretty consistently in very good field position. Um, not because of you know things that that USC's defense was doing but because of things that that USC's offense was doing USC's offense was pretty easily the worst unit involved in this game it was awful it was completely awful nothing on it was good Caleb Williams played like shit he spent the entire game on the ground um they have no guys Zachariah Branch is the only guy on this team they have nothing else this team fucking sucks they're awful they're not a good team it's great man we love to see it oh my god um finally at, at long it's, last it's so good like it's just it, man like just all the people all the casuals who only watch college football for the nfl or just want to watch a couple star players all of the fucking shatter about usc or about caleb williams like we were just exactly right about him like we we knew who he was he can't read a defense it's just so good man He's, he can't read a defense he doesn't know how to play quarterback he, he just he was just get they were teeing off on him he was just standing there just waiting to be sacked and and he he can run around. He can fuck That's around six times. Yeah, yeah. He, he can yeah. fuck around in the backfield all he wants. He can do all of that stuff. He can he can you know do the sidearm throws and and try to uh, try to market himself essentially as something that he's not. But when he plays a real defense, he looks like shit because he's not a good quarterback. He do, he does he has a dog shit coach who doesn't know how to how to develop him. Certainly doesn't know how to call plays. Um, Lincoln Riley is, is as, as, as overrated, I think a football coach as this sport has maybe ever seen. He's dog shit. He sucks. He, he's everything that he does sucks. Um, these 4.1 yards per play. Yeah. It's these guys are horrible. They're, they're not good at anything. There's nothing that these guys can do against a capable opponent. Notre Dame is not that good. And Notre Dame just beat the hell out of them. I, I think, I think several other teams this year are going to do the same thing. USC has to play Utah next week. It's not going to go well because this offense is made up. It's fake. It's not real. There's nothing here. There's no substance to anything that they do. I am. I'm really beginning to hope for seven and five. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was... gonna, if they lose again, I think if they lose again to Utah, they're going to have guys start to opt out. They're going to have guys leave because the culture of this program is dog shit. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to win. It's great, dude. It's it's and it's just like. It's so nice because we see them get away with it so often, right? Like they've played the same game every every time this season yeah. against just bad competition where they got away with it. And it's just nice to see someone punish them. Um, it's nice to know even like the much vaunted offense wasn't as scary as everyone said it was. Um, it's great. It's just great to see Lincoln Riley, I think, has been thoroughly figured out for years now. Uh, it just takes good teams playing against him. Um, he cannot beat them. 
And I think the funniest part is I, there's a real chance he's going to run it back with Alex Grinch again. Like, would you be surprised if he just brought him back next year anyway? Because who gives a fuck, right? Like, yeah. th- like this is just what you do. What, why does it matter? Just do it again. I, I think I would honestly be more surprised if Lincoln Riley is the coach at USC next season than if he isn't. I, I'm expecting that he won't be there. I'm expecting he's going to go to the to NFL. To do what? To go to the NFL. <laughs> to, to, go, to go to the place where it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I think that that is the, I think that's the goal for him. I think that's his end game. Man, I, do you think he wants to coach in the Big Ten? I don't. No, I just don't. Like, do people really want to hire him? I know they. I know they hired Cliff Kingsbury. I understand this. I understand he'll be coming out with his quarterback number one or something close to it. I get all of that. But do you really, like, if you're an NFL owner or you're an NFL GM, can you look yourself in the mirror and feel like he's not going to get you fired? Yes, they think that. Yeah. They they all think that they're it's not a it's not a league of intelligent people. It is not <laughs> the NFL is not is not the the you know the place for for brilliant minds. It's they're all stupid. They're all stupid as shit. It's a whole bunch of dum dums who think that Caleb Williams is amazing because they don't know what they're seeing. There's it's it's a it's a league for dummies. It's stupid. They don't have anything going on. I guess, yeah. I mean, goddamn, he's just so bad and so unserious. There are um, there are more than enough baby-brained owners and GMs who who will talk themselves into this maybe. very easily. It is not uh, it is not hard to imagine at all. I'll say this, um, just to get away from sharing USC, which we'd love to do it. Yeah, a big win for Marcus Freeman, just in terms of his perception, right? Yeah, like, even though I this. think US, even though it's not going to look as impressive by end of year when USC is eight and four, or seven and five. Um, this still just gives the faithful a lot to, to lean on. It's kind of one of those ass kickings you just love to have. Yeah. Uh, it just makes you feel good about your program. Yeah, and he did it the way that he wants to, right, where the, the defense was setting the tone and forcing a ridiculous number of turnovers and getting havoc, getting sacks, making things much harder on, on, on the USC offense. And then the Notre Dame offense was not really just kind of staying out of the way. The Notre Dame offense was not overly involved in this game, and I think that that's really what they want more than anything is that the offense does not have to be a factor. Um, and it really it really wasn't. It didn't need to be. Even in a game where they score almost 50 points, the offense was sort of uh, an afterthought here for Notre Dame, and I think that that is not necessarily proof of concept for Notre Dame and, and Marcus Freeman because I think he's probably gotten that before now, but it is a, it's a much-needed next step for them of going and beating a beating a ranked team, winning a game that they, that they, you know, I think they should win, uh, given USC's, uh, many, many issues. Um, but it's still, they went out and they did it they won a game like this. They got a ranked win. They did it their way. I think it's a, it's a pretty big one for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty funny again to also, I know I read off their kind of all their counting stats. Uh, they also only got 46% of available yards. Um, USC got 40%. Yeah. Uh, Pretty funny to win this big when that's kind of the way your offense plays. But but I mean, like we mentioned the special teams touchdown, the defensive touchdown. They also got the ball on USC's two yard line off a of pick. Yeah. Um, and got a touchdown off that. Like it's like USC made this game very easy in Notre Dame by being the way they are, which yeah. is great. And it wasn't even just like, oh, the big mistakes costing USC. Like they had a thirty eight percent offensive success rate. They were bad on offense. They, yeah. The, the, yeah. the passing game, thirty six percent success rate. They had a couple explosive plays mostly just Zachariah Branch going out and, and making something happen, but that was it. He was the only real well, thing. He, he only had, had like 34 yards, right? Well, he, he had the big punt return as well, um, a couple yeah. of them. He he just, they, 
they just didn't have anything. They had nothing going on. Uh, Al Golden. Also, no, Al no Golden pressure at all for out. USC. No, no pressure. I, I had a lot of USC fans getting pissed at me in my mentions earlier in the year when I said they were terrible in trench play, which I just thought was everyone knew it was obvious. Yeah. Um, they generated zero sacks, one tackle for a loss, and gave up six sacks. Um, Come on. They can't play with the big boys. Come on. They, they can't do it. They don't have anyone with that kind of mentality, anyone that cares or, you know, is that aggressive. Like they just don't have. Yeah. They, they don't have guys like that, man. Like they don't, they don't recruit guys that, that play that way. Well, they have Bear Alexander. Surely that'll get them through. That guy's really, really something special. Not just some. Did guy. he even play? I, 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 I think mean, he, like I, I heard his name mentioned on the on the broadcast. I did not really notice him. Didn't record a that. single stat. Cool. <laughs> God. These guys are so unserious. They're so wildly unserious. They it, they're exactly who we thought they were. They are. They might even be worse than who we thought they were. What a what a nasty, nasty group of football players and, and coaches and just an organization that they have over there. Um, fuck these guys. Good. I hope it happens five more times. Uh, eat shit, losers. You should have uh, gotten an actual coach. Try that next time. North Carolina, 41. Miami, 31. Um, the the number one thing I want to start with here is I think the, really the feel-good story of the game. Uh, Tez Walker went nuts. Tez Walker playing his first game here from North Carolina finally cleared after the the ridiculous back and forth of this offseason that he had with the NCAA, um, he comes out and he was, I think, the best player on the field. He was really, really good here. That would that would be the first thing that I take from this. It's obviously a good win for North Carolina, but just happy to see him on the field and, and playing so well. Yeah, of course, you know, can't help but agree with that. Um, I do think Amarion Hampton was also fantastic for Carolina. Yeah, uh, had almost 200 yards rushing and over eight yards a clip. Um, just very, very solid day from him. Um, Pretty impressed by Tyler Van Dyke, despite Miami kind of being a bad. I know he was really bad against Georgia Tech, but but I mean overall he showed a lot of strides this season uh, to become the quarterback some folks kind of talked about him as two years ago. Um, I, I think he's been pretty good this year, but but did throw two picks and left some meat on the bone. But I think just has shown a lot. Um, but yeah, man, I mean Carolina is, you know, I I think they're setting up for their fake good Carolina season where they win their first nine and then lose two of the last three, but. Uh, they're doing it for now, right? Like you got to give them credit for, for being in the game while, while they are. Yeah. And, and really the big, I think the biggest thing here, obviously the passing attacks are the, the things that put up big numbers. Um, Miami's interestingly enough more than North Carolina's, but I think the big difference here was that we, we talked about coming into the game. Miami needed to find answers for Drake may. I think it, it in part did that. He had four touchdowns, but they, they sacked him five times. They made things a little bit more difficult. Um, Miami also needed to win on the ground. Miami needed to hold the ball, and it needed Henry Parrish Jr. to be good. Um, the better running team here, pretty firmly, like you said with Hampton, was North Carolina. They ran the shit out of the ball, and that was that was the difference. This is not this is not the game state for Miami to win this kind of game. They just didn't they didn't get it. They were playing from behind for most of the night, and they could not they couldn't make up that ground at the end. No, they're not a mentally tough football team. Also, um, they're no. never going to get big stands. They're never going to do that stuff. Um, they're probably going to continue their, their losing streak and lose to Clemson at the bye week, or, or sorry, not at the bye week, next week. Yeah. Um, they'll probably lose that game because that's kind of who they are. Yep. Um, they're weak. They, they're just a mentally weak team. Yep. They're weak. Um, <laughs> this one, this one is really cool. I really like this result. I think that this is a, this is one of the best results of the season in terms of just things that are very funny to me. Um, Pit 38, Louisville 21. 
Pat Narduzzi, he wins again with the entrepreneurship mindset. Uh, he was right. He, the vase works. Uh, <laughs> everybody just has to have business guy mindset. They have to have grind set. Um, and he's Dude, his, someone, he someone and his got team of that. CEOs. The, the, the Post-Gazette scab writer who got that article, uh, someone found his home address and sent him a blue vase after the game. <laughs> oh, my God. That's Isn't that insane? That's What's wrong with these people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, and like the funny part is, I think everyone, all the Pitt fans are going to credit it to like the, the quarterback switch. And uh, Christian Veyu was, I think, more, he went to my Veyer, right? Fuck that guy. Yeah, um, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. He, he yeah. played better than, than Dracovic ever right but still wasn't good like he completed less than half his passes yeah i mean (laughs) it it is it's it's a reflection of how little was needed for them to take serious steps forward at quarterback they just just somebody who isn't awful just somebody who is fine who can make a couple throws down the field that's pretty much it not to not to go like full millennial tiktok girl but like you know the bar was in the floor right like the the bar was in the floor for 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 pitt's quarterback play and that's t um facts that's t sis honestly (laughs) um yeah, I mean, good for them. Good win for Pitt. It's nice to have some fucking juice for once. Uh, it, it's got to feel good to at least have a little bit of excitement in the program after that win. Um, NBA Devonshire played well also. He kind of hadn't shown up this year for much of the year. Uh, he played well finally, which was nice for Pitt to see in the secondary. Um, it's still a tough road ahead, right? They still play three more ranked teams yeah. uh, the rest of the season. So I don't think they're making a bowl game or anything like that. But um, at least you avoided complete and total collapse and disaster. Yeah. I, I'm happy for Pitt to get a moment of uh, of of joy. Rest it, it, yeah, it, yeah. In a, in an otherwise you know a season that has otherwise been really really bad, and I don't think that that it's going to be like a an immaculate turnaround or anything. But yeah, just having competent, even kind of close to competent quarterback play makes a pretty big difference for these guys. Um, Louis, on the Louisville side of things, I don't have a ton to say. I think they were just kind of out of juice at, at this point. It's been a, a you know a pretty physical couple of weeks for them, and they were not. Another team that the record I don't really know was entirely reflective of the caliber. They are not that good of a team. They are good enough well, to win some games, and I think that they will keep winning games. But uh, this is one where I think it was just sort of a, a an energy running out, a bounces not going your way, things that had worked for you to pull off the games that they had won, just going in the other direction this time. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But I mean, there were also three turnovers for Louisville, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the, including a pick six and uh, another touchdown drive set up by a Louisville turnover. Like, they did outplay Pitt in this game, I would argue. Um, I mean, they they outgained them by like 150 yards. Yeah, I, I would uh, say that that's, I, that's, that's bounces going the wrong way. I, I would say that that's, that's luck that yeah. you've had in past games not going in your direction because turnovers are largely luck and they just didn't have it here. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, and nice to see them just kind of take out the conversation, I guess. I, it's fun to focus on the serious teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, speaking of one of the more shocking results of the week here, um, Arizona beat the shit out of Wazoo. Yeah, 44 uh, to 44 six. 44 to 6 in the Blues, man. What the hell? What the like, hell? Uh... They they might have a guy with no Fafita, by the way. Yeah, like he he was hooping. He's thirty four of forty three for three forty two. Um, didn't have any touchdowns, but he's a uh, he's a guy. He's a guy for them. And those those receivers and that Jonah today, Coleman kid's good too. He's yeah, nasty. Yeah, they've got they've got some guys um, in that in that skill core. I don't know what the hell happened to Washington State here. Just a weird game. Really weird game. Couldn't run the ball at all. Basically, didn't try. 
Cam Ward has another not very good game. I fear that he has turned back into a pumpkin. Um, nothing happening here. Really just nothing happening. Washington State scores the first touchdown of the game, does not convert the two-point conversion, and does not score again. That was it. It was a 44-0 yeah. run to end the game. Um, really weird. Weird result. Yeah, I mean, Arizona has been one of the more impressive teams this season. Right? I think they'll look back and uh, kind of be a little baffled by that Mississippi State loss. Um, yeah. They should have won that game. They're better than Mississippi State. Uh, they've got some some tough games coming up here. They still play Oregon State, UCLA, and Utah. But the way they've been playing the last, you know, three weeks, last three games, rather, like they can play with pretty much anybody right now. I, I will say my compliment was going to go exclusively to the players on this team. They deserve better than the coaching that they are getting. This talent yeah, is, is deserving of a much better coaching staff than the one that they have, which is why they've lost the games that they did. They should be good, and I think that they are instead just plucky. Um, but they, they have talent. They have plenty of talent here. They're just not. And, and imagine, too, if Dorian Singer wasn't a coward and didn't leave for USC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, what a decision. And the other three starters they had. They had three total starters leave there, including him. So yeah. imagine if they had those three guys back. What a decision and, and were... that is. Really smart. Really smart call there, career-wise. Really, uh, yeah, you fell for the damn snake oil salesman, man. You can't be buying the snake oil. You don't need that. You should just <laughs> do something else. Um Boy. I hope they finish with the same record. I really do. I, yeah. I hope they they find a way to upset one of those three you know, three big teams, Oregon State, UCLA, or Utah, and beat the two they should in Colorado and Arizona State. And uh, USC loses four of their last five, so they both finish seven and five. I would yeah. love that. that. That would be very good. Uh, staying in the Pac-12 here briefly, Oregon State 36 at home over UCLA 24. Um, it's another, I think, pretty good DJ game here. 14 of 24 for 266 with two touchdowns. But just yeah, DJ in, Burns, fantastic. Yeah, DJ Burns, of course, going nuts out there. Um, but uh, I, I think Oregon State just gets the job done. Stats are not super favorable for them. I think UCLA, in general, was roughly on par, up for the game ready. But uh, mistakes here make the difference. They had three interceptions. Dante Moore somehow throws another pick six. I think he's got three in a row now and in three straight Come games. On. You got to stop doing that, man. <laughs> you, gotta, you really got to stop doing that. Um, but Oregon State, impressive. Gets the job done, handles its business at home. That's a hard place to play. That's a really, really it, hard place to play this year. Is there a consideration that letting Moore keep doing this is going to harm his confidence in his play longer term? Mm. That like... I don't know. Like, like, do you let him work through it or just keep making the same? Because he's been making a lot of the same mistakes week over week. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably getting to that that place where you're asking that question. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. But I think it is probably approaching that point of like, is this guy learning anything? Are you are you getting are you getting better? Are you developing or do we need to do we need to sit you down for a little bit longer and put you back in next year before you before you go and make things worse? Yeah, I mean, three picks, less than half his pass completed, five yards of attempt, just just tough day. Yeah, um, I do want to shout out the uh, the Oregon State pass rush, which we have mentioned on the show a couple times here. Um, five sacks on on the day, two from Calvin Hart, the excellent linebacker. Um, they got one from uh, Kitan Aladapo, who is one of the one of the defensive backs on this team. They bring it from a lot of places. John McCartan as well, another linebacker. It's not just the the defensive line that's providing pressure. They dial up really interesting, really good pressure packages, and they they use that I think to really kind of really torment a yeah. quarterback who's going through it right now with uh, with Don. And, and your boy Chatfield had interception too. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. They're good. He, he played well. They're good. They're good, man. They, the running back room solid. I mean, just um, it's a good football team. Yeah, good, good football team. I, I still, I would say the secondary playing like that against Dante Moore, forcing three picks. I mean, again, we got it. We've seen Dante Moore do that before, but um, the next three games, you know, after their they have bye week coming up here, um, after that they get Arizona, Colorado, and Stanford. They they should mm-hmm. win all three of those, which means they're going to late November with a chance to play for a Pac-12 title. Yeah, um, which is all you can games. ask for. And Gotta hope that secondary can do something against Washington, Oregon, because I, I don't know about all that, but um, yeah, you know, yeah. they will have they'll have a chance. Yeah, they'll have a chance. Good, uh, really good season that they're having right now. Good team that they've got out there. Uh, Missouri thirty-eight, Kentucky twenty-one. Missouri lays it on here late with eighteen points in the fourth quarter to uh, to shut this one down. Not a not the best game we have seen from from Brady Cook, who I, I think was okay right he did he was not an active impediment um the offense in general on on both sides was not especially impressive here but missouri finds a way goes and gets it done makes plays when it needed to make plays this one was was i think not yeah well it was it was a one a one point lead for kentucky going into the fourth quarter missouri goes down answers and then answers a couple more times good win for them kentucky disappointing here i I thought that this team could be a lot more than what they are they're not they're just not very good they're not very good this year yeah and i will say um over the last two seasons combined devin leary's interception rate has doubled from that brilliant 2021 campaign yeah um i think he is just not the same guy after the injuries like i I think the way the you know completion percentage has plummeted yeah the way the interceptions have skyrocketed he just does not look like like that guy at all yeah i'm ready to i think i'm ready to call it on devin leary 14 to 27 for a buck 20 with two touchdowns and two interceptions he's just not very good anymore he's it's it it sucks um he's just not very good anymore he doesn't he doesn't throw the ball the same way he's not reading defenses the same way his confidence is is obviously shaken pretty badly um, it might be time for Kentucky to to consider other options. I think at quarterback because yeah. he's just not he's not good. He's just not good, and you're kind of wasting time at this point. It is. It's also very tough to lose this game because you have to put it on on him. Right? Like their rushing attack was very good. Uh, their secondary basically eliminated Luther Bourbon. Right? He had two catches, 15 yards. Brady Cook, like you mentioned, was not very good on the day. You know, yeah. he only averaged less than six yards an attempt and threw a pick. Burden, um, Burden took a big hit in this game as well. I don't know if he just got racked or something, but he got he got crushed on a on a hit in this game. Yeah, I mean Kentucky can do that to you. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean to lose that game while basically shutting down the Missouri passing attack, which is kind of all they have, is, is pretty frustrating for Kentucky, I think, and, and just something where you gotta look back at this and and, and just kind of point the finger at Leary, right? There's nothing else to say. Yep. Um, I mean, Kentucky also had a 14, nothing lead that was outscored 38 to seven. Yep. Um, so just, just really tough to not be able to, to pull this out. But I mean, Missouri, um, look, credit to them. They put a good team this year. They're now in position uh, that they get, uh, they get South Carolina next week, then a bye week before they play Georgia and Tennessee back to back. They're playing for the SEC East championship, man. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to do it, right? I don't think anyone thinks that, Yeah. but they're, they're playing for it. They got a chance. Yep, they got a chance. Last one in the evening slate here. Duke 23, NC State 3. Uh, Duke, of course, playing without Riley Leonard here. Basically did not pass the ball. Um, and they still win. They still win pretty comfortably. NC State really not a whole lot going on. Um, this this season, this game, I know that there's a, there's a significant hive of MJ Morris fans and, and that he is young. I know no that comment, he, he no can comment. get better. 
Um, guys, I don't know what you're looking at with this with this kid. I really, really don't. I think that it is. Uh, I think it's a ways away. <laughs> it's a ways away with MJ Morris because this was not a uh, this was not an especially encouraging performance. NC State just can't score. They really can't do much of anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are an incredibly disappointing team. I, I still. I guess I still mostly like their defense. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's good it's good enough to do better than what they've they've gotten. Right? They gave up 40, uh, 40 plus to both Marshall and Notre Dame, yeah. but have been rock solid all year. Besides that, um, just the offense here has nothing going. Nope. Nothing going. Nothing going, and nothing really even seemingly developing. I think it's going to be a, a long a long month and a half here to end the year for for NC State. Just not a good season. Duke, uh, good win, stays on track. Hopefully they can get Riley Leonard back soon. I don't know what his status is. They are obviously limited without him, but I, I think with him they can be they can be pretty dangerous. Um, I'm realizing I think we might have missed a we might have missed a game that I do want to mention here um, in the evening slate. Uh, Air Force 34, Wyoming 27. Awesome game in, in the Mountain West. Um, really, really, really fun. Uh, Air Force uh, looked like it was going to kind of run away with it. They had a uh, they didn't have a huge lead, but I think they did have a like a 31-21 lead if memory serves. Um, or I, I don't know exactly what the margin was. They had a lead uh, pretty late in this game, and then they lose their starting quarterback Zach Larrier, and they have two fumbles, back-to-back fumbles from the from the backup quarterback. Uh, I think it's Jensen Jones who is the, he's not listed as a passer because he didn't pass. Yeah, Jensen Jones um, fumbles twice on his, I think, two of his first three snaps, basically, and, and Wyoming fights back, goes and actually takes the lead, has the chance to to win this game, and uh, can't get it done. Uh, can't, can't, can't finish it out. Air Force drives down and pretty much wins it on a John Lee Aldridge 58-yard touchdown run. Defense holds, defense does what it needs to do. Huge win for Air Force. Really impressed with the way that they responded here without their quarterback. That is a that's a pretty important part of that offense, even though they don't throw much. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way that they battled back, the way that the defense made plays when it had to. Wyoming's offense was really good here and, and put them in a position to, you know, to, to win the game. They were up fourteen nothing in the in the first quarter. Um, but Air Force responds. Air Force is good. Air Force is really really good, and I think Wyoming is good too. But Air Force is is on another level. That team is really really strong. Yeah, I'm sure I'm looking up here. I'm just curious um, what the kind of their best seasons in school history are prior to this. They've had some, um, they've I know had they some 11 and games. two. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've had a couple 11 and two seasons, I think under Calhoun. Um, they have not, I believe won the mountain West, which is a, a distinct possibility this year. That's been like the one thing that they've been really missing um, under Calhoun is a, is a mountain West title. They've come close several times, but it would be pretty funny if the, the first year where they don't have to deal with being in the mountain division, which has been the problem all of these years, is that they're in the mountain division. Um, as soon as that's gone, they just go and win the, win the conference. Um, yeah. th- but they've, they've had good years under him. They did have a couple 12-1 uh, and one, uh, conference championship seasons in the WAC under Fisher DeBerry. Yeah. Um, but their only undefeated season in school history is 1958, hmm. uh, where they played in the Cotton Bowl okay. uh, under Ben Martin. Uh, kind of interesting here. Let's see if I can pull these guys up. They they went nine zero and two, um, where they had a draw with Iowa and a draw in the Cotton Bowl with TCU in a zero zero game, <laughs> which seventy five thousand people attended. Let's go. Um, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're turning the clock back to, to nineteen fifty eight. 
uh, for Air Force here because they got a real shot to do it, man. Yeah, they do. Um, they're, they are they're yeah. damn good, and the schedule gets a lot lighter now. I think they've gotten through the yeah. hardest part of it, especially right, given got... yeah the this this last game here in the late night. Um, given the the big team that is still left on Air Force's schedule, Boise State loses 31 to 30 at Colorado State first ever loss to Colorado State for Boise State as a program with Dirk Cutter in the booth calling the game as Boise State sees a 30 to 10 lead with four minutes left in the fourth quarter drip away and Colorado State win it on a 33 yard Hail Mary to tight end Dallas. Just embarrassing. Um, these guys fucking suck. They suck. Andy Avalos is a loser. He's a complete loser. They are they are nowhere they're nowhere even close to what they once were. They are they're soft. They don't respond well. They should be embar- they should be very embarrassed of this team that they're putting on the field. These guys are dog shit. They're not good. They have nothing going on other than Ashton Genty. Uh we've talked about it week after week. I couldn't agree more. Genty is awesome. Um, he's only a sophomore, I believe, as well. So I, I hope he goes somewhere to play serious <laughs> football next year. I think he's probably uh, not for Andy Avalos. Yeah, I think he's probably going to. Yeah. He's a Jacksonville guy originally. He does not have a ton yeah. of uh, ton of connections here. The way that they're, I mean, they're running the shit out of him too. He's taking like twenty five carries a game basically at this point. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere more fun. Yeah, than this. and also his position coach is at Oregon State, which yeah, you know, I mean, like mm. they'd love to pair him up with Damian Martinez. Oh, um, yeah. I'll say that, uh, yeah. but. Yeah, man. I hope he goes somewhere, you know, free. And, and Boise State, the schedule the rest of the way, they're going to lose their next their next two and three, their last five, if not more. Yeah. Uh, they 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 get a bye week this week when they play Wyoming, Fresno State, New Mexico, Utah State, Air Force. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's there's... looking like five and seven or four and eight. Yeah, I think there's one more win on the schedule for them here. I think they're going to beat New Mexico at home. I don't think they're beating any of the top three in the conference. And I don't think that they're matched up well to beat Utah State because Utah State can pass the shit out of the ball. Um the this this is a bad team this is a really bad team and it's really only going to get worse because they have not they have somehow not played the meat of their schedule yet despite despite the fact that they're three and four with losses to washington ucf and uh and memphis now as well as as colorado state they still have to play the three best teams in the mountain west it's a it's a bad year it's a really really bad year for those guys both of their quarterbacks are bad um maddox madsen is is not just he's not very good. Just doesn't move the needle. And Taylor Green stinks. He's he's they're they're not really playing him a ton anymore. When he comes in, he's not playing well. He had an interception. They have one guy, and uh, we we wish the best for Ashton Genty, who deserves a lot better than what he's going to get from these guys the rest of the year. Yep, agreed. And I think that is where we'll leave our episode, Patrick. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Yep. Um, man, what a great week of ball. Uh, sorry, Ashton Genty. We apologize to you. Yeah. Uh, and and Godspeed.